0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card,
1: right this way,
0: it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.
0: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. We've had a few days to think about it. Time to get down to the nitty-gritty of filling out your bracket. If you haven't. But the first question is, are you going to go all chalk? Are you going to go with Fritzy Fritzy does that every year. Uh, I'm going to take the number one seed and then the number one seed, number one seed, number and one seed. And I end up finishing
5: like tied for second <laughs> or third, and that feeds my need to go with a lot of the uh, favorites.
4: You know, Gonzaga enters the tournament as a legit favorite, the undefeated, loaded with talent, got a one and done on that team. Number one overall seeds, though, don't normally win. Last time we had a team do that, 2013, it was the Louisville Cardinals. After Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, look outstanding. And uh, that would surprise no one if they reach the Final Four. Michigan has had some health issues, but Juwan Howard's Wolverines are still a very dangerous team. And the tricky part is, is... You're not going to win if you go all chalk normally, right? The key is picking an upset. There's always an outlier. And let's face it, you need a little bit, a lot of luck, not a little. But uh, that's why the guy who watched the most college basketball doesn't win the bracket contest. You have one more day to figure it all out. So good luck. I feel like I know less because I watched more basketball. And, you know, we don't have that marquee player or players Gonzaga is a really good team. Obviously, they're undefeated, but you know they're not in the ACC or the SEC or the Big Ten. You don't get to see them on a regular basis unless you seek them out and then you watch them and you realize they do have everything. You know, they have really good players. I mentioned they got a one and done. They got leadership there. They've been in a, a, a title game before, and they have a coach who's been there a long, long time. One of the most successful coaches and as far as winning percentage, the uh, best winning percentage in college basketball history, Mark Few. But we know that there's magic that happens. We know there's upset surprises. There's disappointment. There's going to be one, two, three of those games where you go, how did that just happen? But that's college basketball. You put them in a bubble and you're going to have even more craziness. And it feels like every year I say the same thing oh, man, this year is going to be crazy. And then next year, I'll say the same thing. But you're in a bubble that adds to the craziness here because Georgia Tech just lost its best player, the ACC Player of the Year, out for the first two uh, games if they survived the first round. Like, that's, that's how crazy this has been. And then you have the, uh, the coaching vacancies that are also thrown in there. You're in Indiana. Indiana's not playing, but the job at Indiana is open. And I've been going back and forth with uh, a source this morning about what's going on at Indiana. And uh, my source uh, said to me uh, this morning, uh, was told Scott Drew will not be the next head coach at Indiana. He's Baylor's head coach. He's from Indiana. His dad was a legendary coach at uh, Valparaiso. And then I followed up. I say, well, who do you think would be the front runner at Indiana? And uh, my source said, well, you know, probably somebody with ties to Bobby Knight. The new athletic director is a former Bob Knight manager and will connect with former players. Uh, You've got Tony Bennett at Virginia is the name that uh, I was told. Uh, Chris Beard, uh, he's at Texas Tech. Uh, Brad Stevens is on the list, but he's not going to be on the list because he said, look, I love it. I have ties there. It's emotional for me. I have friends and family. He's the coach of the Celtics. Um, Bennett would be great because, according to my source, his dad, and his dad was a legendary coach, Wisconsin-Green Bay, the few places, uh, but uh, his dad and Bob Knight were uh, great friends. But, as my source said, Tony Bennett's sister was the women's coach at Indiana, (laughs) and she was fired. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, So I think there's a lot of things that are going on there. Uh, You know, if you're Brad Stevens, if this was another year, maybe next year, depending on what happens this year, then maybe that would be something you would be interested in. But it's now... And I don't know, you know, Beard did a great job getting his team to the Final Four a couple of years ago, a title game. But, you know, he's at Texas Tech. Uh, he's done a great job down there. But uh, it feels like it's somebody with ties to Bob Knight who's going to get this job at Indiana. I don't know if it's Dane Fife. He's at Michigan State. I mean, he's the associate head coach. He's another guy. He played, uh, you know, for Bob Knight in Indiana. That would be kind of the sleeper one for me. Uh, John Beeline, who coached at Michigan and then went to the Cavaliers and then got fired there. That's another name to keep an eye on. But he's in his late 60s. I don't know if that's what you want to do at Indiana. But you're going to have a lot of different names because it is still a coveted job. But I don't know if you're going to get... I don't know if you're going to get who you think you're going to get. A lot of times... When you're in a in a bubble, you think your job is so great and so big and so important and so many people are going to be applying for it. Indiana hadn't done anything in a long time. Now, maybe that's the time to come in and take over. You know, Archie Miller came in after doing a great job at Dayton. They washed out after four years. And they had to pay a big buyout, reportedly like $10 million, just to get rid of him. But uh, Steve Alford, who said he wasn't interested in... Uh, was is not on the list from what I'm told. But, you know, legendary Indiana player, not on the list. Yeah, Paul.
2: That's the guy I was going to bring up. It, it, it didn't feel like a decade, a decade and a half ago. It was destiny that Steve Alford would one day coach. And he he would be at Iowa, and it didn't work out, the timing. And he yeah. had a pretty good run at Iowa. And then New Mexico and UCLA, it, it just never timed out. And now Alford's not even close to hot anymore. And it, it felt like Jim Harbaugh, that someday he would go back.
4: Well, you have him at Nevada, but he hasn't really done anything. Right. And uh, he took over for uh, Musselman, who's done a great job at Arkansas. But that's sort of what's happening, you know, with uh, basketball in Indiana. And then there's the opening at IU. There was, uh, we had Juwan Howard on yesterday. And and Juwan Howard was trying to get a job as an NBA head coach. He was an assistant coach with the Miami Heat. And then the opening happened at his alma mater. And he's done a, a wonderful job with that uh, team. And uh, I ask him about, is his goal to still get back to the NBA as a head coach? I never even thought about that. That's the past now. Really? I'm so locked in to Michigan. Good. Uh, I love this place.
1: Um, I'm enjoying my experience. I'm growing uh, each and every day,
4: growing with my staff to become a a better coach. And he's got a great job. These are the jobs that you keep for a long time. And, and that's all he has to do is remember what happened to John Beeline. John Beeline is a Hall of Fame coach. And then John Beeline, for some reason, wanted to jump to the NBA and coach the Cavaliers. You get that job, you keep that job as long as you can. And in college basketball, I get to keep players, their stability. Like, I don't want to go coach the Timberwolves. I'm going to coach for three years, and then that's it. Michigan, you can coach there for 10 years, 15 years, if you want. Ego gets in the way, and then you go, I've accomplished everything, get stagnant, get bored, whatever it might be. But I have great respect for those who continue to reinvent themselves at the same job, in the same job. It's really hard to do. We all want what is new, different. You know, I fought this when I was at ESPN. 18 years there. And I kept thinking, I think I've kind of mastered Sports Center. There's got to be something else out there. And then the more I thought about it, the more I enjoyed going to work every single day and doing that show every single night. And I could have gone to NBC or CBS. And I remember uh, Bob Costa say, I don't know how you work every day. And I said, I don't know how you don't work every day. Like, I, I love that. I love the grind. It's every single day that you're knee deep in this. And I hope that Juan Howard stays there. I mean, as long as he's happy, content, uh, challenged, I, I love that. And he he prospered in the, the best conference in basketball this year. Probably get an extension. But we see this happen a lot of times where, hey, I signed a seven-year deal extension. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, what? what where are you going? Yep. And my dream, my new dream job is... But if you can keep those jobs, great. That would be my recommendation. Uh, there are a lot of people in the business who like to bounce around and they like to say that it's a new challenge. How about accept the old challenge of continuing to be great at some place? But everybody's chasing money. That's what it is chasing money. And then after a while, you realize, I got money. I don't have, what do I have? I don't have any stability here. Like, what is my legacy? Hey, you bounced around, you bounced around, you bounced around. Hey, but look at how much money I made. And then you're going to end up empty. And these coaches do. Have a lot of money, but what do you have to show for it? Got a lot of jobs. Yeah, Paul?
2: I just looked at Juwan Howard's career salary in the NBA. He's all set for the cash. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about whatever Michigan's paying him. That's gravy.
4: Yeah, but he wants to be able to prove he can coach in the NBA. Does he still? Well, I don't know. Yeah. I might just take him at his word, but it, that's what he'll fight. He's going to, he'll fight the urge to that opening. And, you know, he he's more suited, it feels like, to being a college coach. There are guys who are college coaches. Steve Spurrier, college coach. He was not an NFL coach. You know, Nick Saban is a college coach. Mike Shushevsky, a college coach. Coach K flirted with the Lakers many, many years ago you have to have a different makeup. And you also have to know when you get there, you're down the totem pole. The players run the league. I mean, Pat Riley was a pro coach. Everything about him. You know, Riles as as a college coach, it probably would have driven him crazy. Pro coach, for some reason, it worked for Riles. But there are certain coaches where you go, he fits in college. Like Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's a college coach. But there's part of you that says he could have had the Texas job. In fact, he was offered the Texas job. $10 million a year. Wanted to try something different? Good for him. It's not less stressful. And he's going to take the field knowing out of those 16 games, or if we get to 17-game schedule, his team is going to be inferior 14 of those 17 games. And it was just the opposite when he was in college. Certainly at Ohio State. When you walk on the field and you go, we're better than them. He's not going to be able to do that at Jacksonville. And getting used to that feeling of what it's like to lose. He'll lose more games in his first season than he probably lost in his last five seasons at Ohio State. And losing is what kills you. That eats you up. Calipari, John Calipari tried it in the NBA. It didn't work. That's not who he is. Uh, Tom Izzo flirted with going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was going to go to the Cavs. That was the year LeBron left. He would have been gone. Instead, you have this legacy at Michigan State. You know, Roy Williams understands, understood, this this is who I am, my personality. And that's another thing. You have to understand who you are. And that's hard for us to do. When do you figure out who you are? But, you know, Coach count, went to the Nets. That didn't work out. Uh, you know, I always thought Pete Carroll was a college coach. But he's done a great job in Seattle. But I just thought he was more geared towards that rah-rah on the sidelines. You know, my guys. And they buy into his philosophy. And then you get to the NFL, and all of a sudden you got a quarterback who says, uh, hey, I want to be involved in this. Uh, I don't don't want to be traded, but if I do get traded, you know, you don't have that. You might have the transfer portal at USC, but that's about it. So it's kind of crazy. Um, Basketball, obviously on the front burner. Uh, The Bears situation that they've been criticized, uh, we have a different view of that. With the the Seahawks, the offer that they made, as I told you about that yesterday, I did find out about, uh, let's see, what time is it? 20 after? Uh, about 45 minutes uh, ago, the, the Bears base, the Bears basically said, whoever you want on our roster, uh, you can have two, two picks. So they had draft picks, and then they had their pick of the roster. That's from what I'm told. That no one was untouchable. But Seattle said no. Why did they take the meeting in the first place? Didn't they know that there was nothing there? And did they get a chance to counter? That's what I want to know. If, if John Schneider meets with Ryan Pace of the Bears, and they're there in North Dakota to see Trey Lance, and then you go, hey, um, John, I got this offer for Russell Wilson. And then if John Schneider goes, no, or I'll take it back to Pete Carroll, then you get a chance to go, okay, well, what will work? Like, tell me what would work for you. Because from what I'm told, there wasn't a scenario where they were going to trade with the Bears because they don't have a quarterback. But I don't know if it's if I'm Seattle, I just set the market. Now, they didn't, they didn't want this information coming out. They're not pleased that I reported this yesterday, but I, I don't worry about that. I don't play favorites. I just tell you what I find out. But they set the market, and I think that's what's interesting. Because now you know, hey, this is what they offered, and they turned that down. But do I think Russ can still be had? I think it's going to be difficult. I do. And the same with Deshaun Watson. With this lawsuit that's going on, or these lawsuits, going to be difficult to move him now. Only on DraftKings Pick Six, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. Eighteen plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick Six not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up to date list of states, visit dkng.co/slash/pick-six-states. Void where prohibited. See terms at picksix.draftkings.com/promos. saying, as a result of a social media post by a publicity-seeking plaintiff's lawyer, I recently became aware of a lawsuit that has apparently been filed against me. I have not seen the complaint, but I know this. I have never treated any woman with anything other than the utmost respect. The plaintiff's lawyer claims that this isn't about money, but before filing suit, He made a baseless six-figure settlement demand, which I quickly rejected. Unlike him, this isn't about money for me. It's about clearing my name, and I look forward to doing that. Aaron Wilson covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle, kind enough to join us on uh, short notice. Aaron, uh, update us on when these allegations were first made public with Deshaun Watson.
9: Just two days ago, Dan, Tony Busby who uh, unsuccessfully ran for mayor and is so, a member of the Texas Indiana Board of Trustees, very prominent lawyer, very wealthy lawyer, he filed the lawsuit. He announced it first. It was a little unusual on Instagram saying that the lawsuit had been filed. It had not been filed. It was filed the next morning. Uh, the previous to that, the had, in fact, I was told, sought money, the woman that made the first allegation that Deshaun Watson had sexually harassed her, et cetera, in a, in a massage. And you know, all the details have been outlined in the lawsuit. But that was the timeline. So after that happened, then subsequently he files it in Harris County District Court. And it only cost him $325 to file a lawsuit. And the allegations are made. There's no Documents the text message of allegedly an apology after their exchange, and that's not present. I don't know if that will happen at discovery if it ex- in fact exists if it does. So there's you know that and you know Deshawn reacts to it on social, denies doing anything disrespectful to any woman. It's basically a blanket statement, and what's now happened is after the initial one he's asking for anyone else to come forward and that he hasn't filed the second lawsuit that's what happened yesterday so he comes out with a second lawsuit alleging that deshaun watson flew in a woman from atlanta to meet him at the Eustonian, which is a very fancy spa and hotel and kind of like a place that a lot of the rich folks in houston hang out it's a kind of a country club aspect to it and you know alleging that there was this you know different type of situation different massage but different woman and so now he's saying he has six and he's going to file six lawsuits which is what tony bunsby has stated on instagram and so we're expecting another filing today and he says this one will be um you know have some you know a lot of you know obviously you know very salacious details uh kind of like the last one which i thought was you know very uh you know graphic uh in nature and some of the stuff is kind of like hard to repeat just on a a family radio show but yeah it was uh you know definitely a very raw uh, portrayal and again only allegations all unproven all civil my understanding is that never ever was were the police called no allegations were made to you know to try to make it a criminal matter. And like Deshaun said, my understanding is it's been a you know, money grab from the start, especially with the first uh, alleged victim, uh, Jane Doe. Both of these are going to be Jane Doe's. They'll all be apparently Jane Doe's. Um, there won't be a name attached.
4: What, about the, uh, what about the football side of this, though, so, Aaron? The timing of this, we have the draft coming up uh, next month. You have the possibility of – Deshaun not playing for the team. Tyrod Taylor gets signed. Uh, is this all coincidence that it's all kind of converging right now, and what's this do for the so-called trade market for Deshaun Watson?
9: Right. There have been a lot of conspiracy theories on social media about the timing, including Tyrod Taylor you know, being signed hours before. Uh, my understanding is that is coincidental because they always intended to address the quarterback position. The Way it affects trade value is if there's an NFL investigation, they have really. And you look at the NFL. Uh, you know, their response yesterday was, you no, know, they're just they have no comment on it, and you know, so they're not at a stage where I think they're doing anything. They may never do anything. They may just view it as a civil matter that they don't want to, you know, address. It could be handled that way. It could be handled in a different way depending on how they feel about it. What's the outcome? You know. If what if he settled, you know, what would happen? Would they then look at it as something like, well, is that an admission? Do we need to look into this more? Should they monitor everything? In terms of the trade market, the teams are still interested. I know that for a fact. And that has not changed. Would it change the terms? No, if they were to get to a point where they were negotiating. The Texans are just in a listening mode and or telling people, you know, no, we're not interested. They're still steadfast and not sure to him, and he will not play for them again. He has made that unequivocally clear, Dan, that he has no intention to ever play another down, is the way he's put it to friends for the Texans. He's really intentional in that, and he told David Cully that. Uh, so, you know, that's all been communicated.
4: Do you think that he's that means- traded? If he's traded, it's before the draft?
9: I think. There's a very good chance that he could be held on to. And yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume anything. This is a moving fluid situation. It makes the most logical sense. And everyone knows that the value is the highest. And then you know what the picks are. If you do it later, if you do it in 2022, then it's not the same kind of terms. And it does set, as I've been told many times. terrible precedent if a player can, you know, essentially force himself out. And I would not rule out the Texans playing a hardball.
4: But can you put it in simplistic terms here, Aaron? What is Deshaun Watson's problem with the franchise? Is it on the field or off the field?
9: It's off the field that his trust in them and his feelings about how business was conducted and the state of the franchise, and his interactions obviously with the owner, Cal McNair, and him feeling that he was going to have input, it's not one thing, as I've been told many times. It's a culmination of all those things affecting his, you know, trust in the organization and how he feels about the organization. So it's not just one thing. There's a, So I would say the last is sort of Finding out on social media. That's kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back, Dan. But it's not a situation where you say, man, that's it. No, it's just finding out about DeAndre Hopkins' trade on social media, basically not being consulted. Mm-hmm. That's, I would say, if you had one more thing, you just didn't feel like he was being treated like a partner of the organization. They feel like he's being treated just like a normal player in some cases. So that, you know, bothered him. And it bothered him to the point that he requested the trade. And that's where they are. And that, he's been steadfast in that. And he's not budging, not an iota.
4: Well, I know you've got a lot of work ahead of you. Uh, Aaron, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, thank you.
9: Thank you so much, Dan.
4: That's uh, Aaron Wilson. He covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, Peter Schrager, the NFL Network. Good morning, football co-host and a senior national writer. Went to Emory University. Has Emory ever made the tournament, Peter? D-
5: Division Three team. We, they've had their moments, but not at the uh, Division I. I tell you, I am such a fool. Dan, I was so excited to have, like, a pizza and a beer at noon Eastern and watch <laughs> all the – I just found out literally this morning, like literally this morning that they're doing this staggered thing, and I texted Ian Eagle. I'm like, what <laughs> game are you on today? And he's like, dude. <laughs>
4: Yeah, you're out of touch. How did you, uh, who do you have winning, by the way?
5: Uh, I had my four year old son do my bracket. He likes Maryland because they wore yellow one time. So I'm going to go with
4: Maryland. (laughs) That's a gutsy call, but. uh, Went for it. Yeah, yeah. Whatever your philosophy is. All right, how would you sum up this uh, week of free agency?
5: kind of fun like the the patriots thing i can't talk enough about i got belichick behind me on my screen here i think that they zig when everyone else zags and i'm here for it uh the salary cap is down 15 million dollars a lot of these teams are preparing for it to go up 15 million dollars so think about that 30 million dollar differential. so all of them thought they were doing one strategy let's just be smart with our money and wait these players out and belichick pounced it's almost like he saw a market inefficiency I'm fascinated to see how this works out. This is against everything he has been about for 20 years as a head coach and personnel man, but they broke the bank, and they got some good talent. I don't know if they got any A-plus talent, but they certainly are relevant again in the AFC, and I just thought the strategy was so interesting from Belichick.
4: Is he building an offense that it suits Cam Newton?
5: Yeah, that, that, I mean, those tight ends, that's, that's what that's telling me. That's telling me we got to get additional blocking and we're also going to get that 10 to 15 yard intermediary stuff. And we're not looking for you to throw that deep. I don't know if Cam Newton can throw the ball 15 yards anymore. I honestly don't. I didn't see it towards the end of the season. But when you have all these guys like Janu and then Edelman, and then now you add in Hunter Henry, who I think could be fantastic. You've got big bodies who can run the intermediary routes and can block. So Yeah, but I if you have guys so.
4: that, like, I don't understand this. Why are you set at quarterback if you've got a quarterback who can't throw?
5: I don't know if they think they're set at quarterback. They have a quarterback, and these guys play to his suit, you know, suit his stuff. So at, at, the, the, me- at the very near term, their offense got significantly better over the last four days than they were last year. And I think it's a bit of humble pie but like for years belichick didn't do this and one of the reasons why was like you build through the draft you let your free agents sign elsewhere and then you get the compensatory picks and you get a bunch of third and fourth round picks and we can draft a gronk or an aaron hernandez whatever. they've whiffed in the draft the last yeah. few years with the third and fourth round picks, So essentially, he's like, I, we're not going to get big compensatory picks from the free agents that are leaving because no one really besides Joe Tooney is a big name. So let's just do it. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off and get them. I just don't know if Aguilar and Bourne necessarily make this wide receivers group uh, what they have down in Tampa Bay overnight.
4: And you got some wide receivers who are still out there. You know, Kenny Galladay, uh, Smith Schuster, Will Fuller. Um, where do you see... Could they be changing the structure of uh, the power structure in the NFL?
5: I think a lot of these guys and their agents are waking up on a Thursday morning a little bewildered, surprised, and now having to readjust what they expected. Look, Kenny Galladay was offered a really handsome two-year deal by the Lions during the season. He turned it away because he wanted to hit free agency. His agent, Todd France, is the same agent as Dak Prescott. He said, let's bet on ourselves and you'll get more money elsewhere. Well, I don't know if that money's there right now. And now Kenny Galladay, who was viewed as the top wide receiver talent, is having to get on a plane. He's going to – the Giants want to meet him before they do anything. They want to speak with him in person. The Bengals offered him something, from what I'm told. But it's the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's a one-year prove-it deal. Like, wow. I, I think it's just kind of shocking for a lot of these wide receivers. And for Juju, look – I got accused of, of being one of those people who was yelling at a cloud and I was like, I don't like the TikTok dancing before a game and I don't necessarily like the dancing on a logo before a game. I, Look, everyone rocked me then in December and I was like, you were being just a media hater or whatever. Juju Smith-Schuster, the line is not long right now and I think the first impression for a lot of these GMs is like, I don't know if I need all that. It seems like a lot. Even though he's a good player, he's a great kid and he's 24 years old. So the story from Ian Rapport this morning was that The Jets are a possibility. And the Jets have had conversations with Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know if it's one of those deals where the Jets are on day three banging down the door and being like, wait, Juju's available? Let's go get him. So I think Juju, Galladay Fuller, and their agents are a little surprised and might not have been
4: expecting this to be the market. Arizona got older. Did they get better?
5: I don't know. I think so. And I think it's not because of Watt and Green. I think the name Rodney Hudson isn't a household name, but he's a 32-year-old center that the Raiders couldn't afford anymore, and they traded him. 60 cents on the dollar to to the Cardinals. And they know the the, the time is now for the Cardinals. Kyler Murray's a running quarterback. Kyler Murray is one of these guys that is going to get injured time to time if you don't protect him. It happened last year in a week 17 when they needed him most. He wasn't available and they had to go to a CFL retread as their quarterback against the Rams and that must win. Um, So Hudson protects him. At the very least, they're they're making moves. They're aggressive. J.J. Watt, A.J. I like even the kicker. They went and got Matt Prater, who's a reliable kicker. Zane Gonzalez missed a bunch last year. I appreciate teams that say, I know salary cap's not ideal, but let's go spend the money, and we can make no excuses. Like let's bring them in. I respect that they they were a few players away last year. They went and they at least made the attempts to get them. That NFC West though, that's that's a loaded division.
4: Peter Schrager, NFL Network. Good morning, football co-host. Explain to me the situation with the Bears and the Seahawks. That you get the two GMs together, and you make your offer. Usually, when you make an offer for a house, they counter your offer. And in this case, they just listened to the offer, took it back to Pete Carroll, and then Pete said no. And then that's it. Why did they listen to the Bears' offer in the first place, Peter?
5: Yeah. So I'm looking at a Billy Ripken famous card that's in front of you. If if I, if I if I if I was sitting here just on my couch or whatever and. You said uh, or your agent said publicly, we would love my Billy Ripken card to go to one of four cities. And one of them is where Peter Schrager resides. I would probably be like, whoa, okay, I want that Billy Ripken card. I'm going to I'll call up. I'll inquire. The agent, Mark Rogers, dropped this out of nowhere, saying there are going to be four teams that he would waive his no trade clause for. The Bears never expected Russell Wilson in their plans. But once that came out, they were like, let's go. Let's do it. Let's go for it. And they tried. They tried really hard. And when they were all together out in Fargo, North Dakota, last week for Trey Lance's Pro Day, I can tell you there were conversations had with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy from the Bears, with John Schneider from the Seahawks. And the conversations were made, and they didn't go anywhere. And Schneider's like, we're not trading him. So when he goes on your show, Dan, and he says comments about – and. Look, Russell Wilson might someday be a part of the Peacock family, and he might be a great ambassador. He doesn't usually come on and say anything controversial. We know that. When he comes out and he says his offensive line, he'd like to see more investment on your show and make it public, people in Seattle might've been like, wait, what? Especially that offensive line. So you put these things together, Chicago had every right to go and make the most aggressive pitch. But at the end of the day, they didn't have a quarterback to trade back to Seattle. So Seattle's listening and it's okay you can give us 16 first round picks and Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith and the rights to Dick Butkus and and Mike Singletary who's playing quarterback next year for Seattle just didn't make sense so I get criticized today being like, oh, you made a big fuss over nothing. Look, when the agent comes on the record and lists four teams, and when the player who usually says nothing comes on the Dan Patrick show and says things about his offensive line, there was something. There's something indeed there.
4: Oh, no, it's there. Absolutely. But the question is why would you listen to the Bears' offer unless you want to set the market? That this is we turn this down, so you better you better be ready to go. It feels like they have to expand their list there of possible destinations for Russell if he truly wants out. I was told keep an eye on free agency. Will they do enough in free agency where Russell Wilson goes? Okay, that's at least a step in the right direction. But
5: all right, well, Dan, we're three days in, and they've made a trade for Gabe Jackson from the Raiders, who is fine. While Joe Tooney was just signed to a five-year, $80 million deal in Kansas City, mm-hmm. Rodney Hudson was just traded to protect Kyler Murray. And then you look at all the other top interior offensive linemen, Corey Lindsley was just signed by the Chargers. Like, I know that the Cardinals and the Chargers and the Chiefs are doing whatever it takes to protect their quarterbacks. I don't know. Like, hey, Russell Wilson went public with that offensive line talk and all that. Seahawks, it's almost as if Schneider and Carroll like, we're not going to suddenly rip up our entire team to, to go and address your needs. We're going to do what we do and we're going to build a football team. I, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. But to your point, maybe the door... Isn't shut on a trade just yet, but the Bears won. I, I rest assured the Bears made every possible offer they possibly, they could even think of. Seahawks weren't making a trade with the Bears.
4: No, yeah, we always look at a trade from one angle. We always go, God, Russ going to the Bears. And then I'll go, Well, what's Seattle getting? Yeah. Well, they're getting draft picks. Well, those aren't high draft picks. You're getting Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. Okay, how does that address their, their quarterbacking situation? Now, if you said, hey, the Jets are giving you the second pick overall. Yep. And, okay, you got my attention. Because now I, I take Zach Wilson, if I believe in him. Now I got my quarterback, rookie contract. Now I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Miami, I get Tua, and I'm going to get the third pick overall, and I'm going to get Devontae Smith if I want. All right, <laughs> I like that. The Bears didn't have anything to offer that would intrigue Seattle from an offensive perspective there. So no, and,
5: I, and the worst thing that the Bears had going for them is that they had this mediocre season and made the playoffs, so they have the 20th. Yeah. Pick. You know, it's like yeah. it's not like they get any accolades or any pats on the back for going to the wild car round and getting blown out by Drew Brees and the Saints. I, I also will go one step further here. It's like, you know, the Panthers have the eighth pick. The Eagles have the sixth pick. There are teams that make it really you know, interesting for a trade for a quarterback that could maybe be the third team in, but to your point about what are we getting back, you'd be amazed and maybe you wouldn't because you deal with this for for 30 years, but I'm putting together trade offers and possibilities on Good Morning Football, the show on NFL Network, and I'm like, all right, so say the Jets offer the number two pick and they offer Sam Darnold and they offer Quinan Williams. The amount of Jets fans that jump down your throat, like, we're not giving up
4: Quinn and Williams. Yes, you will. Like,
5: like we're not giving up Quinn and Qu- 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 Williams. No. And then you do the Dolphins and you're like, all right, you give up Tua. And, and you also give up Devontae Parker. And then you also give up Christian Wilkins. We're not giving up all that.
6: It's like the
5: <laughs> same thing comes from the other side of it. The fans, you know, they, they don't want to give up the thing. So trades are really hard. And for quarterbacks, you got to give up everything to get one of these guys.
4: Yeah, and that's where, if I'm Russ, I don't want to go to a Bears team that just gave up all of this to get me. Like, that doesn't make any sense because you're going to go and you're going to go to a team that's inferior. Hey, I get to have a say in in what we do, and I like Matt Nagy's play calling. That ain't enough for me to go to the Bears. I want to go to a team where we're actually going to be good and not give up as much as, uh, you know, we should. Uh, Deshaun Watson, with what's going on now, it's going to be harder to trade him. But do you feel like the Texans now are more likely to trade him given what's gone on?
5: Well, let's see how that all plays out. It's ugly. Um, but his stock, if you will, I almost feel like I'm talking about the two topics in the same you know breath is almost minimizing what's been accused. But the stock certainly isn't as high as it was a week ago. And, you, you know, you double down on it. David Culley, the, the new head coach, was doing a lot of media last week. Comes across as a really likable guy, a really open and honest guy, and was very vulnerable. It was like, I want a coach to Sean Watson. I really do. I just wish he would, you know, it didn't say it, but in so many words, like, I wish he would give us a shot. And so you start putting these things together and you're like, all right, so they gave you $150 million last year. You, you, you know, you guys won four games. I don't know what happened with what made you so upset, but the coach is saying he wants to have you here. Like, I don't know. At some point, the tide was going to turn against Deshaun Watson in this conversation and be like, maybe you do give that team a shot. Maybe you'd be part of the solution as opposed to part of the problem. And they you know they do have a new coach and new GM. Maybe you consider that. So now I think it's really interesting the way that the conversations about the Deshaun Watson trade go. And I'm not sure if he's as, uh, you know, this the, whatever it is, as a trade asset, if this if this story continues to to take on the next levels of where it goes, because it certainly makes it a lot more complicated than it was when it was just, Hey, here's a 25 year old superstar on the, on the Houston Texans who wants to trade.
4: Yeah. And, and if I'm offering something now, now I'm going to probably reduce that. I, you know, it feels like that the value has been reduced here. And look, I don't mean to diminish what is happening off the field, you're not, but you're my, not. my job is to talk about the sports angle of this. You're and, not. That, and that's,
5: that's exactly right. And And for a lot of these GMs, Whereas they, they might have been like, oh, my God, gung-ho, Deshaun Watson. Now maybe they see all these reports. They see it's still trending on Twitter. They read all the legal papers. And they're like, hey, look, I don't have to make this trade. I, I, maybe it's just not worth all of my agita. And maybe it's not worth me getting involved in this. And that's someone else's problem, not mine.
4: Is Gardner Minshew going to land someplace interesting? You know,
5: it's funny. There are trade talks going on, and maybe Mintry's got a second chapter, but I don't know if he's going to be a starting quarterback uh, in the NFL this year. What I love seeing is Mike Glennon, uh, you know, he's signing a new deal. It's like, all right, these guys have lives. They have nine lives.
4: If
5: you could could be a backup quarterback and a likable dude in the locker room, like there's a place for you if you're willing to be that number two.
4: Chase Daniel. Another guy, really wealthy. He might be one of the greatest preseason quarterbacks of all time.
5: Always delivers in like the second half of that third game. <laughs> second half of that third preseason game, Chase Daniel will put up numbers. He'll light
4: it up. He will. Always. We needed we need to do fantasy football preseason.
5: We should. I remember I remember uh Cleo Lemon Yeah. The, 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 the Chargers, not the Dolphins, but when he's on the Chargers, okay. like lit it up in the fourth quarter. I'm like Cleo Lemon, love it.
4: Good luck with your bracket there.
5: I'm going real, real big on North Texas because my son likes the nickname the Mean Green. So let's go, North Texas.
4: Yep. Hey, different strategies, you know. They're not nice. You're either first place or last place, Peter. You're right. I'm in. Yeah, all in. Uh, Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. That's uh, Peter Schrager, host of NFL Network's Good Morning Football. That airs Monday through Friday at 7 Eastern. You can follow him on Twitter at PShrags. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.